0: You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow us, Bright City Church, on Instagram. Today's message is from Jess Conley.
1: Today we're going to be talking about a tale of two cities. Specifically, um, we're going to be talking about two cities in Scripture and how they interact with Jesus and what we can learn from them. But I thought it would be interesting if we would talk a little bit about cities. Do you know what I did this morning? I counted how many cities you and I have lived in since we've been married.
0: So when you say cities, are you counting Larger areas? No, I'm counting actual cities. Oh, Lord. Okay, Okay, so
1: in 16 years, 17 years of marriage, we have lived in eight cities. That's aggressive. Yes? We actually, if you've never heard this about Nick and I, we moved 10 times in our first nine years of marriage. Not something I suggest. Um, But here. I was Here's, grateful that
0: our commitment issues were to the city and, and not, not to other, one another. But, in
1: Jesus' name, amen. Um, yeah, we didn't leave one another in a city, which was great. Um, our 15-year-old our, our is putting his hands down. Our kids have, like, major moving trauma. They're like, we can never move. Um, so we have, we have no plans to. But so I thought it would be helpful to say one thing that we're so grateful, living in eight different cities, is we got to see so many different cultures obviously, but also so many different Christian cultures, which Mm -hmm. I think, like, really shaped us and shifted us and made us who we are, that we got to see all these different ways that different people seek the the Lord. Um, But we also just got to see different things about different cities, so we're just going to hit a few to tell you a little bit about them. I'll tell you, the city that we had the most disagreement about I would move back tomorrow. Not really, because I love you guys, but I would move tomorrow back to Charlotte, and Nick would literally like won't step foot back there.
0: We would um, we would be a long distance marriage.
1: Uh, but but to say honestly why I love Charlotte, it's because <laughs> the shopping.
0: <laughs> it's just,
1: it's just the world's best shopping. I mean, Charleston doesn't have a mall. We don't, we we apparently do have a mall. But like the malls in Charlotte, and I'm a mall girl. Some people like hiking, and in Jesus' name, I bless you, I love a mall. I like to get a Diet Coke with extra ice at Chick-fil-A and walk from one store to the other. I just, I love a mall, and we don't have one here, but Charlotte has top-notch malls <laughs>
0: Lord. another city that we lived in uh that was uh, kind of a cool experience but also just when you you get there you just notice it's a little different is seattle anyone been to seattle a little, little different vibes in seattle one of the things i love about seattle is they are so against the man like whomever the man is the man. like they hate, they the, hate man. the man i don't know if they know who the man is but they just hate the man but it's also the place where some of the biggest companies are so all these people who hate the man work for the man and secretly hate the man while they're at home. So they're like working at Microsoft, but they hate the man and they don't. They, they want to join a punk rock group. And so it's just so interesting how they were punk rockers and hate <laughs> the man. And they all work, work
1: for corporations. Yeah, but
0: gladly would work at the corporation. So
1: I feel like a city story. you and I are united on and are sort not of. good for us. Yeah was not, not our cup of tea, Yes, was when we lived in Indiana. So Wait, I know some no, of I you are you were, from the Midwest. I thought
0: you were going a different place there. Oh, I thought you were talking about Seattle. No. I'm not mixed in my emotions of the Midwest. No, I know. I'm
1: saying we're, oh, we're, we're on the same that. page okay, yes, that right. is not for us. I know some of you guys are from the Midwest. Some things you should know about me is I love feelings. Um, and sometimes people in the Midwest are hearty. And they keep it together. Um, So I was a hot mess express in Indiana. Like, they were like, who is this girl who's always crying? And I was like, I don't know, but I can't change. It's who I am. And this specific community we moved to, all the moms homeschooled. And I was like, God, I bless you. My kids are supposed to be in school. Like I I tried. We did homeschool that first year and my kids got dumber. It was bad. It was they will tell you. Like it was bad. It was not God's grace on our life. It was bad.
0: Another um, thing that was so crazy about the Midwest is we were always the quote unquote big family. Like, oh, you've oh, so many kids. We, we were a tiny were like family, a micro family everyone. in the
1: Midwest. Yeah. yeah. Four kids is nothing. You're just kids. getting started.
0: Eight kids was like the threshold. That's the norm. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, my favorite Indiana memory is when we were pregnant. I was pregnant with Cannon, and one night I texted Nick, like, from our house. I don't know. I guess I was resting or something in bed. And I texted you, and I said, like, I really want sushi. And you were like, babe, I don't know what to tell you. We are in the middle of the country. Yeah, this is yeah. not the place to eat sushi. I was mm-hmm. like, you're right. You're right. Okay. 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 <laughs> Okay, so Indiana, Seattle, Charlotte. But we also learned a lot spiritually about these cities. And, when, and it was really interesting to pay attention to, like, how people respond to God based on geography. It's, it's wildly different. So, for example, in Charlotte, world's best shopping, I think, in the southeast. Um, and at least in the southeast. And, but it's, sometimes people can really struggle with excitement about spiritual things in Charlotte. Because it's a it's a really commercial, shiny, tidy place. Um, and so we notice living there, like, okay, it can be really hard to, like, even express a spiritual hunger here. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just not what's on the forefront of everybody's minds.
0: Yeah, and for Seattle, what was interesting is that, like, down with the man, I hate the man. It produced, like, a, a skepticism, and that skepticism carried into faith. And even in living there, I just... I, was, I found myself, like, against everything. Like, we'd come back, and everybody like, let's go yeah. to the beach. Like, oh, why would you do that? Like, we shouldn't go to the beach. That's horrible. And so, you know, you, you have that in your physical life, and you carry it over into your spiritual life. And so when you start talking about things of faith, and it's like, oh, well, why would you ever believe that? And people put up a huge skepticism, uh, and they would say it's because of a personal conviction. But sometimes those personal convictions are because of... Of where people live physically, and yeah. so this started to seep into their own lives.
1: Yeah, um, and in Indiana, we just happened to notice because we had come from so many different cities. By the time we landed in Indiana, we noticed that sometimes that hardiness, um, and even that, um, like they're just they're just like a tough, resilient people. But sometimes that makes them less or at least in the community we were in, it made them like less reticent or quick to repent mm-hmm. or to talk about their own sin uh, because you just weren't supposed to talk about things like that. You weren't supposed to talk about problems. And so, and so we noticed that and even noticed that in us while we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we could say right now a lot of things we notice about Charleston. We could say a lot of beautiful things we notice about Charleston, a lot of beautiful things we notice about us in Charleston. Um, but before we do that, let's dive into looking at these two cities yeah, in Scripture. so it's
0: kind of two cities in two different places in the Scripture, and we're actually going to work backwards. So we're going to start in the second city, and it's going to be Mark 6, 1 through 6. Um, but I am actually going to read the Passion Translation. Um, one of the things that I found helpful in my own walk is switching up translations every once in a while so it just doesn't become mundane and you're on autopilot. And so this translation has really blessed me lately, but we're going to be in Mark 6 verses 1 and 6. And so Jesus is entering into these cities and he's doing all this wonderful stuff in and among the cities and the villages. And one of the things that I felt like you know, when I was reading these passages is I was like, man, I feel like these moments are going to set the bar for us mm-hmm. as a church as we move forward. And so when I'm reading about these cities, it's not just so that we can have some bi- biblical familiarity and we can be like, oh, yeah, I remember when we talked about that at church. I just I, I believe with my whole heart that we can learn from these moments mm-hmm. so that we can enter into the things that God has for us uh, in this new season as we walk together. So afterward, Jesus left Capernaum. And returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. And on the Sabbath he went to teach in the synagogue. Everyone who heard his teaching was overwhelmed with astonishment. And they said to themselves, What incredible wisdom has been given to him? Where did he receive such profound insight? And what mighty miracles flow through his hands? Isn't this Mary's son, the carpenter, the brother? of Jacob, Joseph, Judah, and Simon? And don't his sisters all live here in Nazareth? And so just before we move on, there's kind of a few things that jump out to me in this moment. Uh, One of the things that really jumped out to me was that you can really be impressed with someone but not be intimate with Hmm. them. Like, they were really impressed with Jesus. They were really impressed with his teaching. They were really impressed with how he handled himself. They were really impressed with the miracles. But in that, there was no intimacy with the people there. There was no intimacy with who he was and what he came to bring.
1: Yeah, this reminds me of that passage in James 2 where it tells us that even the demons know God is real. And even the demons revere God. They say like, he's God, he's real. And I think especially, I mean, I would say in the South, but I would say in all of like cultural Christianity in America, there's this like acceptance of like, God is real, we can talk about him, we can say God's real, we can, we can even like acknowledge him and honor him. But that is so different from having intimacy with him. And one thing we never wanna do as a church family is assume that everyone has an intimate relationship with Jesus. Um, And so it just always feels like a good moment to pause and say, there is a difference in knowing God is real. There is a difference in saying you even think he's good and powerful and acting like you have access to an intimate relationship with him on a daily rhythm. Mm
0: -hmm. Another thing that jumps out, and this one's huge, and just feel like this is the heartbeat of where we need to be is that just because you're familiar with something doesn't mean you have a great faith in something. And so what I've noticed, at least in my own life, is that familiarity is the enemy of faith. Like Oof. the more and more you settle in with something and someone and you start to settle with what you believe and who you are and even more who he is, then what happens is that becomes the enemy of of our faith and what's interesting is in this moment the familiarity produced an uh, like an offensiveness in their heart they yeah. became offended at Jesus that they were offended that he wanted more for them like oh man how how dare he like come up in the the synagogue when I'm so used to hearing my rabbi read from the scrolls so well and he comes in with all of that authority and he comes in with all of those miracles like how how dare he and, and they became offended that Jesus wanted more for them. Yeah. Like Jesus wanted them to see who he was and what he was bringing when it came to the kingdom. And, and they became offended with that kingdom. They became offended by what Jesus wanted to do. And so anytime that we allow familiarity with who Jesus is sneak into our own lives, it becomes an enemy to our faith.
1: Yeah. When you said that, like you just said that to me this week, like familiarity breeds offense. I was like, Whoa. That's so true. Like there's there's a, a hardness of heart that comes when we think um, when we think something is always going to be ours and we just get access to it all the time. And I think about this a lot in regards to like the physical act of coming here every Sunday. Um, and I, I just want to like confess, like I, I see that tendency and that capacity in my own life to come here every Sunday and think like, this is my space. This is what I get to do. I know these people. I know what I know what's going to happen. Instead of kind of like holding that as a sacred moment and saying like God can move in this week, God is going to move. God's going to show up. He can tell. He can change my heart. He can do something different in me. Um, and I just think you know this about me, and a lot of y'all know this about me. I'm like a little bit of a question asker in an obnoxious way, um, and I'm I'm a like deep thinker question asker, and so. I just want to hand this to you guys if it's a helpful tool. Like a lot of times on my way into church or as I'm getting ready, I'll just ask like, why am I going here? Why am I going here? Why am I driving there today? Am I going because it's the thing to do? Am I going because I'm expected to? Or am I going because I want to see God at work in, the, in his people? Because I want to hear from God? Am I going because I want to have my heart changed? Am I going because I want to be empowered and equipped and taught? Why am I going? So I just hand you that kind of nebulous, like deep, thinky question to maybe ask yourself on the way into church, or maybe ask yourself on a way to date your spouse even, or just like before you spend time with God, anything that you could do over and over again and maybe get too familiar with. Maybe it would be helpful to say, like, why am I doing this?
0: Story time. Early on in Bright City, uh, we would have prayer time, and we still have prayer time. And one of my favorite moments was when Jess used to lead prayer. And so one day she shows up. I'm not allowed like, to
1: anymore. Just FYI. You are
0: allowed to. <laughs> she shows up and she's like, all right, guys, why do we pray? And everybody was like, um, G- Jesus, Bible tells me so. Is that, is that what you're looking for? Like she just caught everyone off guard. It was like, why, what do you mean, why do we pray? But it was, it was a, a revolutionary moment for our church. It was like, hey. Like, like, we would all love to be sleeping a little bit more. Like, why? And this was the set-up teardown days. Like, why Why are you here? Like, wh- why do we pray? Why Why are we praying for what's coming? And so, anyway, I appreciate the why. Thanks. Continuing on, they took <laughs> offense at him, and Jesus said to them, a prophet is treated with honor except everywhere except in his hometown, mm-hmm. among his relatives, and in his own household. So, so if you have problems... Uh, With uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving in your own home, Jesus did too. And here's the big deal. He was unable to do any great miracle in Nazareth except heal a few people who were sick Hmm. by laying hands upon them. And he was amazed at their depth of unbelief. And then Jesus went out into the different villages and taught the people. And so this kind of Where he he lands on this place is that there was a ceiling to what he could do because of the ceiling on their faith. Yeah, and it's so hard to hear that, especially I I, like another thing that was true to Charlotte is we just had our fair share of televangelists, and I would watch (laughs) the Bible Network and all the like INSP. Like I wanted to work at one of these. I wanted to work at these networks. I found them very fascinating. And, and I would all and you, so when you're seeing that, it's like, how do I hear, like, the name it, claim it with what's happening in this moment? And so how do we stay fresh in our faith on the foundation of Jesus? Mm. That's the question I want to ask. Like, for this next few months, for the time that we have together as a church, how are we going to stay fresh in our faith so that we are not the ceiling of God's work in our life? And so how are we going to do that? So let me read the other city that he went into. It says, as Jesus left the house, two blind men began following him and shouted over and over again, son of David, show us mercy and heal us. And they followed him right into the house where he was staying. So Jesus asked them, do you believe that I have the power to restore sight to your eyes? And they replied, yes, Lord, we believe Then Jesus put his hands over their eyes and said, you will have what your faith expects. Let me read that again. You will have what your faith expects. And instantly their eyes opened and they could see. Then Jesus warned them sternly. I love this. Make sure you tell no one what just happened. Like fat chance. Like I I can see for the first time. Like I'm, I'm telling everyone. But unable to contain themselves, they went out and spread the news everywhere. And so one of the things that helps us stay fresh in our faith that we see in this moment is that proximity to Jesus produces faith. Proximity to Jesus produces faith.
1: Yeah. Let's do like a quick theology lesson. You guys ready? (laughs) You in? Um, Because I care a lot about why. I also care a lot about words. So there's a phrase that kind of like eats at my soul when I hear people say it. And I I slip up and say it sometimes too. But when people say like, I just want to get closer to God. Or when they say like, oh, he is so close to God. Or like, she is so close to God. Anybody familiar with this phrase? Um, So here's your quick theology lesson. If by grace through faith you walk with Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you cannot get closer to God. Mm -hmm. He has come all the way for you. The Father sent his son Jesus to pay the ultimate price for your sin so that you would be reconciled to God, all the way reconciled, and reconciled also to other people. So if you believe in Jesus by grace through faith... You cannot get closer to God. Now, but we still say, like, proximity produces faith. And so I want to hand you this different way to think about it. I I would say, and we would say, that experiencing proximity is not getting closer to God, but acting and living like you already are. Mm -hmm. Acting and living like you already are. Scripture tells us that he's Anywhere we go, he's on our worst day, he's on our best day. He's there when we're embroiled in sin. He's there when we're living super faithfully. But I believe walking in proximity to Jesus is agreeing. I am close to Jesus. God hears me, I can talk to him. He forgives me, I can apologize. Mm -hmm. He goes before me, I can step out in faith. And so when we say proximity produces faith, we are not selling a false gospel that says you have to do one plus two equals three to get closer to God. If you walk with Jesus, you're as close to God God as you're ever going to be. And that is some really good news. I know y'all aren't really talkative tomorrow, to morning, but that, this morning, that's the kind of thing you'd want to say amen to. Amen.
0: Because amen. in the name
1: of Jesus, let me say it again, you cannot get closer to him. You do not have to do anything to get closer to him, but you do get to experience and express your proximity to Jesus by spending time with him
0: mm-hmm.
1: and by moving forward like you're in a relationship with him.
0: Um, Amen. Uh, So these guys, they, they like, followed Jesus into where he was staying. It's, like, that's the most, like, evasive thing you can do. It'd be, like, I am marching myself into where he's living. One of the things you need to know about me is anytime I'm staying in hotels with friends— like, people always want to try to come up into my room. Do not like,
1: come into his room. Do not. That's,
0: that is a bedroom for that moment. Like, he also doesn't let
1: our kids in our bedroom at wrong. all. Not one foot over the door.
0: Sacred space. So, <laughs> I just, we need space. They take the whole house. I just want one, <laughs> one tiny corner. But they followed Jesus into this place. And one of the things I love about the disciples is, and it, I just, it resonates so much with my life is that, like, I am too much of a bonehead to where if I'm not in proximity with Jesus, my faith is going to falter. Like, if I am not doing the best I can to capitalize on the access that I have been given in and through Jesus' death on the cross, then my faith is going to falter. And so it's like, just constantly, in the time we have been here, ministering to people, it's like... they. People have rocky moments in their life, and and I'll just say, "Hey, tell me, tell me what's going on," and be like, "Well, I was doing really good, but then, uh, you know, one time I slept in, and so I missed church, and then my BFF forever." came in and we had to get brunch because obviously and then the next time there was this break in the humidity and there was like parking at the beach and so we decided to go and then I got sick and then this happened and and what I find is that sometimes life happens that takes us out of the proximity of being among the people of God where God has chosen to dwell like just pause there and because of that, our faith begins to falter. And then we think there's something deeply wrong with us. And what yeah. was deeply wrong is just that we allowed our proximity to drift from the one who purchased us on the cross. Yeah. And so like these two people, we've got to do everything that we can to stay close to Jesus. And here's why is because, number one, you've been given the access. But number two, because there is a roaring lion that is prowling around looking to take you out. Like he is wandering and walking around your life. And he is wanting to make you falter because if he makes you falter, then he makes you question your intimacy with Jesus. He makes you you question the access that you have, the proximity that you have, and he is looking to take us out. And so are you doing everything you can Mm -hmm. within your power to stay in proximity with Jesus, meaning capitalizing on the spiritual access you have, and then from that, capitalizing on that spiritual access to be physically present and what God is actively doing in your life.
1: Yeah. I didn't tell you I was going to say this, but I'm going to say this, too. You know, I feel like you just made it. You, like, hit That's on something marriage. that feels really important. <laughs> also, like, it, it kind of begs the question, like, so why can't the beach be church? Like, if I carry oh, the yeah. power of Christ, if I carry the presence of God, why can't the beach be my church? Why, it, a lot of people will say, like, it is. Like, where three of us are gathered, like, this is the <laughs> church. And in Jesus' name, that's the, the power and the presence of God goes with you to yeah. the beach. Amen, amen, amen. The problem is, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not even speaking for y'all. The problem is, when I spend a little too much time by, with just Jesus and Jess, or Jesus and Nick, or like my three best friends, God starts to sound a lot like us. Mm. <laughs> God starts to sound a lot like our voice, or we just miss out on the beauty of hearing and seeing the beauty of God in other people, and so there's some power to getting in a seat beside people who don't live like you live, who might not think like you think, and seeing God at work in them. There's a power in getting in a group and sitting with people who are experiencing the power of Christ and healing and hope and resurrection and repentance in their own lives and experiencing that. And there's a power in coming under the authority of being taught the Word and not just I I, I love Scripture, but there's a power to saying I want. someone else to teach me about it too I want to hear from somebody else and so if you've ever wondered like why isn't the beach church that's that's why we do carry the power (laughs) and presence of God but I don't know about y'all but if I spend a little too much time alone God sounds a lot like me and he starts I start to like think that all of my opinions are definitely his opinions and and every way I interpret something is like oh that's definitely his voice but it's it's mostly just because I've gotten alone in my own thoughts about it so anyways that one was for free Uh, Here's number two. Number one, proximity produces faith, absolutely. Number two is that expectancy is everything. Expectancy is everything. Right around the time I did start hosting our pre-service prayer and asking everyone, why do we pray? Why do we pray? How do we pray? Um, The other question I would often ask is, what do you expect? What do you expect is gonna happen today? My one of my favorite theologians is Charles Spurgeon. You guys have probably heard me say this quote because my favorite quote from my favorite theologian is Charles Spurgeon, where he says, "You don't always get what you want; you always get what you expect. You don't always get what you want; you always get what you expect." And we see this in this story of Nazareth, as the two blind men. Is this Nazareth or nope, this is Jerusalem? Capernaum. Capernaum. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're good. I'm, I'm going to keep going. Uh, the two blind men are following him and they're shouting over and over again, show us mercy and heal us. So what we can deduce is they expected him to heal them. They expected Jesus to be who he said he was. They expected him to pay attention to them. He, they expected him to have compassion for them. And here's the thing. I, I shared this a few weeks ago at pre-service prayer. We make agreements with our expectation. We make agreements with our expectation. I think it was the Sunday that Andrew was preaching, and I said, hey, here's the deal. I I actually sit up front, so I don't know what happens behind me. Um, But I said, I know that Andrew, like, hears from God, and I know he is so wise, and he is so smart about Scripture. Can I beg everyone here at Pre-Service Prayer to please take notes today? Because when you take notes, you make an agreement that says, I expect to learn something today. I expect to hear something today that is going to teach me or shift me that I'm going to want to remember. And so we do this as people. We make agreements with our expectations. If I go to a pool party and I don't bring my bathing suit, I don't expect to go swimming. But if I come and bring my bathing suit, I'm expecting to go swimming. That's a weird analogy. But (laughs) we make agreements with our expectation. And so when you come into any encounter with God, What you expect matters because you will look to see it fulfilled. If you expect it to be horrible, it's going to be. If you expect not to learn anything, you won't. If you expect to be rejected, you will. Because we, we, beca- we begin living into and making agreements with these self-fulfilling prophecies. But if you expect to see God, if you expect to hear from him, if you expect to see his character lived out, if you expect to learn, if you expect to experience freshness in your faith, if you expect to see healing, if you expect to be changed, you will. You just will absolutely over and over again. That's not manifestation. That's the kingdom of God at work. In his people. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: I've tried to like look I guess it's just the Seattle rubbed off on me in a little bit. So I'm I'm trying to like look at this from many different angles and like, all right, Jesus, are you really saying what you're saying? And so I looked at the different translations and I'm looking at the original language and the NASB, which is like the tried and true, maybe our grandmothers and grandfathers, like they all have this Bible, and it says, It shall be done for you according to your faith. The NIV says, according to your faith, let it be done. And the message, I love this, and here's why I'll tell you in a second. It says, become what you believe. And here's the deal, is that I think sometimes we become what we believe, and that's why Jesus is telling us that belief is so important. But not just this weird belief, it is an actual belief in him. It's a belief in who he is and what he says he's going to do because here's what happens is if we become what we believe, then we will become more and more like Christ and we will access his kingdom. This translation, it says it shall be done, it actually means to become according to. To your faith. And so, what happens is, is it seems like there's this transformation that happens in our hearts and our souls that allows us to access Jesus, to become more like Jesus, and to experience more of his kingdom. And I think a lot of times when people are faltering in their faith, there's probably a million different paper cuts that are happening in life. But what I think is actually happening is I think that they're struggling to experience the kingdom of God. Hmm. And they're struggling to experience the kingdom of God because they really don't believe that the kingdom of God exists. And when Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, I would love to do some things in your life. Like, I would love to answer all the prayers that you have, but I, I, I need you to respond in faith. And here's why is Jesus is after our faith. He's always after our faith because faith is trust and trust is the foundation for any relationship trust is the foundation for any relationship and so when jesus is walking with the disciples it's not because he decided to take a bro trip that lasted like three years and he's like this is going to be the best three years of my life he's with the disciples because he's wanting to grow their faith yeah. each and every day and so every day is after their expectancy hey yeah. well, why didn't this happen well what do you expect was going to happen did you expect that demon to come out of that person, or did you expect to like mess up the whole situation? Because seems like we got what you expected—is you expected to mess up the situation? Like, hey, we ha- we have these loaves and fishes. Did you expect for to send everyone away and not feed them, or did you expect to feed them by the power of God? And so Jesus is always challenging our expectations and our expectancy so that we can expect the kingdom to happen at any moment. Matthew 6 seek first the kingdom of God. And we can't seek the kingdom without ex- expectancy. And so expectancy comes from faith and faith is made foundational in our lives and stronger in our lives because of our expectancy.
1: Yeah, expectancy is defined as having an anticipatory belief or desire, an anticipatory belief or desire. And so I would just, I would just hold this question for you guys um, and massively encourage you to talk to God about it and talk to one another about it. Talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to your spouses. And I would just ask you to think through, like, what do you want this fall as it pertains to your faith? What do you want what do you want to see? Where do you want growth? Where do you want change? Um, Nick is so good at teaching our church about the difference between expectations and expectancy. And so one thing he's continually explained to me and our church is expectations is that's that's having a set idea of how you want the outcome to come. And this is actually another small theology lesson. This is why a lot of people struggle with doubt in God is because they have expectations and not expectancy. And so they want to see like one plus two equals three. And they're like, well, when that didn't happen, God must not be real. But expectancy says like, I just expect God to be God. And sometimes I'm going to pray for a specific outcome. And sometimes I'm going to pray towards this specific thing. But I think knowing what we want and knowing what we want in regards to like knowing God and seeing his character lived out is a really important question. And so, yeah, just right here at the fall, I just encourage you to think through like, what do you want? What are you expecting? What do you want to see? That, that feels like a wildly spiritual question to me.
0: So proximity produces faith. Expectancy is everything. And mission helps us maintain momentum mission helps us maintain momentum. So what I love about this moment is because of the faith and because of Jesus being able to move in their midst, like you couldn't talk these guys out of participating in the kingdom in the way of Jesus. Like Jesus tried to talk them out of it. And I just think of how hard it is to participate in the work of God in the world. It is so hard. There are so many things that are so much easier than trying to seek the kingdom of God in the culture that we live in. Like, like, there's I, name one thing, they're all easier than this. <laughs> but they couldn't help but keep going and doing and telling the good news of Jesus. And so, if we are going to see faith flourish in our life, if we're going to see our faith grow in this next season, we're going to have to participate in the mission of God in order to maintain the momentum of our faith. Like, you are going to have to see God at work in your own life. This is like the college student who leaves the house, and then they're on their own, and they've been living their parents' faith all their life, and now all of a sudden they need to see God at work in their life, and they don't see God at work in their life, and so therefore they don't believe God is at work in their life. And I promise you, there is not anything I can say that can bolster the faith that you could have in your life than seeing God work in your own life. Yeah. Like when you see God move through you, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Number one, you're like, well, that I didn't know I could do that. Like anytime I get up here and speak, sometimes I'm like, man, I I did not see that coming. Like I was the quiet kid in the corner who just wanted to reject everyone before they could reject me. Like that's who I was. Like if I could just sit on the bench and play basketball and no one talked to me, that's great. That's where I wanted to be in my life. And what happens is is God has other ideas for your life, but it comes through participating in the mission of what he's doing in this world. And I promise you, you're going to be in awe of who he is, but you're going to be in awe of who he is in and through you. And if you haven't experienced God at work in and through you in your own life, you are going to struggle to have a growing faith because you're not seeing God at work in your own life.
1: Yeah. If anybody needs a quick definition of mission, if you're like, oh, great, now I have to, like, Move somewhere, or I have to become a pastor. You can totally, Um, but Mission is simply this. This is how we define it. Using the gifts God has given you for the good of others and his glory. Mm. So that's what we mean by mission. Um, Some people are going to run on mission by parenting because Mm. that's its own mission. Some people are going to run on mission by like living with people that they are constantly sharing the gospel with. Some people are going to run on mission by preaching and by teaching. Some people are going to do it through serving. There's a million different ways to use your God-given gifts. The great news is you are actually inside a physical church right now that loves empowering others other people to use their God-given gifts inside the church and outside the church. Nothing makes us more excited than you finding what God's given you to do in this season and encouraging you to do that. Um, And so I would just hand you that as a reminder. Like mission doesn't mean massively changing your whole life. It just means using what you've got to serve other people. So here's the deal. We've got some good ways to live out our fresh faith. And, um, you know, actually, the first time we like wrote this message and talked through it, we had kind of like come up with, well, not we, me, because I'm usually the more pokey of the two of us. I'd come up with all these kind of things of like, this is what I see about Charleston. And this is what, like some of the great things that I see about Charleston. And these are some of the challenges I see about us living at our faith here in this city. Um, but working through this message this week, I felt convicted to not tell you guys that list and instead tell you who I think we can be Mm -hmm. and what I think Charleston can be. I think that Charleston can be a city that is rooted in a true faith in Jesus Christ. I think that Charleston can be a city that throws off the bondage of religiosity and experiences revival and renewal. Mm -hmm. I think Charleston can be a port city, um, like a beacon for many other cities to experience renewal and revival. I think, I believe in Jesus' name that God wants to raise up a church, a, a group of people who are committed to Jesus in this city that are not distracted by the constant recreation and the play, but know how to experience abundance and love running on mission. I believe that in the name of Jesus, Bright City can be a space where people love being together and love being with God and love worship and love scripture and also love getting outside of this building to help our neighbors see Jesus. I believe that Bright City can be a church that if we weren't here tomorrow, that the the neighborhood and the city would feel that impact, that they would miss us serving and, and being the hands and feet of Jesus. I believe in the name of Jesus that Bright City Charleston can and will be a church that sends other churches, other bright cities, not just in America, but literally around the world. Mm-hmm. I believe all of this, not because I believe in us, but because I believe in Jesus. And I expect with every fiber of my being, that he will continue to shift our hearts and he will continue to call us to more and he will continue to equip us for the work of the gospel and he will continue to unite us to the Father through Jesus and he will continue to reconcile us to other people through the power of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen.
0: Um, One of the cool things I love about Jesus is with Jesus, he doesn't just like show up in our lives and look at us, like, head to toe and be like, eh, there's no faith here. I'm moving on. Like, the one who hung on the cross is not the one who's going to move on from you. Like, he is patient. He is good. He is steadfast. And he is long-suffering when it comes to our lives. And so, I only say that just to say, like, if, if, if you're like, man, I don't know if I have the quota of faith for Jesus to move in my presence mm. the beautiful thing is, is, is it's not the faith it's the willingness that he's after he's like hey are you are you willing for me to come into your life and change it are you willing for me to step into your life in such a way that produces a faith and so I only say that just to say that Jesus is not making sure that you measure up to any standard yeah. the good news of the gospel is that he's already measured up he is the standard he is Everything he is all that we need, and because of him, we can have faith and so when you read the gospels and he comes across people and they're like, Oh my gosh, I want to believe, help my unbelief, like that's the soil for jesus and so let's let's close our eyes right now, and I'm just going to pray for us, and I just being honest in this moment if if that's where you are, if you're like hey i i I, I want to believe." but I, I just don't know. And so, Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help our belief, Father, that you would be the fuel of our faith, Father. I just pray right now for the Spirit of God to come in a mighty way. You have a grace upon grace that you've bestowed to your children, and in our, our past cannot disqualify us for a future faith, for a present faith. And so, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, if people are struggling with shame, or maybe a doubt or a fear, God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that that you would overcome that in this moment, that you would speak truth to all of those lies. Father, I just pray that you would raise up a fresh faith in this moment. Father, I pray that you would raise up a generation of people who believe in who Jesus is, who believe in the power of the good news of the gospel, and who believe in the power of the cross at work in the culture, and who believe that you are not done with your children and that this is the time of harvest and that you are working in the lives of people and we're not just this remnant that's supposed to hold on and hope it all gets better but that we are to be the change that we want to see when it comes to the kingdom in this world so father i just pray that you would fill us with faith may we see more miracles may we see more healing May we see more people come to faith in Jesus Christ. May we see those who are down be made high and built up. May we see the broken hearts be mended. May we see anxiety be cured. May we see depression turn into uncontrollable joy. Father, we just pray that you would. In Jesus' name. We have faith. So God would you work. Thanks for listening into Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at Brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.